Don't move. You're listening to Harpy Hour. We just want to share another awesome podcast with you first. So check these guys out and stay tuned for this week's episode of Harpy Hour. Hi, I'm Talissa. And I'm Rachel. And this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. He said, I seem to remember going downstairs and her sort of slipping on her slippers. Do you have slippers in America? Yeah. What? What kind of call, question call, is that? No, I mean, like, what do you, no, I know you have them, but like, what do you call them? Do you call them like house shoes no, or something? Slippers. Like, okay, cool. I don't know. Some weird um, <laughs> oh, foot pads. <laughs> foot pillows. Yeah, so if you pick up an issue, if you're in the UK, Crime Monthly magazine, um, me and Rachel are on page 40. Mm-hmm. Me and Rachel are. Yes, the <laughs> podcast is. The last line of the article was that Talissa is a drug on, smuggler. And I said it to my dad and I was like, they got Rachel's name wrong and I'm a drug mule, but look at this. And he was like, well done, darling. <laughs> Welcome to, to Transatlantic, Transatlantic Crime. Crime. <laughs> Harpy Hour may contain explicit language, as well as graphic, violent, and sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Harpy Hour! The harpiest of all the hours. Yeah! Aloha. We are the Harpies. I'm Tracy. I'm Liz. I'm Steph. And this is our podcast where we share ridiculous stories in history, science, and entertainment. Yep. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Have we talked about Willow on the regular podcast yet? We have not. I feel like we need to talk about Willow. This is the first episode we recorded since I got her. Yeah. I'm a new mom or I'm a mom again. Again. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Because Tessie. Yeah. Oh, Tessie. Tessie was Liz's hedgehog. Yeah. R.I.P. Tess. I had a hedgehog when I moved to D.C. I recently moved to a new apartment still in well, Arlington, technically, but D.C. Across area. the road. We, yeah. we established yeah. this. Yeah, I, yes. I moved. Across the street. <laughs> I, I can see my old bedroom from my new living room. And you could see my old apartment, too, because it's like right next to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little triangle. Mm-hmm. My old building, Steph's old building, and my new building. Mm-hmm. But on the day I moved, I also got a kitty cat. Kitty when cat! When did you actually pick her out? Because I didn't remember. He, I heard you saying that you were excited about getting it. You were looking up mm-hmm. Pet Finder, and next thing I know, you're in the apartment with a cat. And I'm like, what happened? Where? <laughs> when did the, the shopping and the adoption happen? <laughs> you like just had a cat that was just spayed. It happened earlier that week. So I was starting to look because different shelters have different uh, process right now mm-hmm. for adoption. Like some are still entirely virtual, some are by appointment only. And so it's not as easy as like pre pandemic where you could just be like, I'm going to go stop by the shelter and check out, you know, what they've got and maybe mm-hmm. I'll come home with a pet and like you kind of can do on site the application and get approved or whatever. Like it's not a quick process for all the shelters. So I had started earlier in the week because I did want to have a cat like as soon as possible when I moved. Mm-hmm. So I had started earlier because I knew that it would take a while for some of the like depending on the shelter. But I found out that the Humane Rescue Alliance in DC was waiving their adoption fees because they were at capacity. And so they were trying to just like get as many pets into new homes as they could in order mm. to free up space for more pets in need. They had a very quick process. They were like, do not apply unless you're ready to take your cat home in 24 to 48 hours. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I actually applied like technically earlier than I was supposed to, or I was like really stretching it out to like be 48 hours, like hour 48 would be when I was like moving into my new apartment. Liz, you rebel. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, I saw a cat like that I wanted and then it was gone the same day. And I was like, oh no, but that made room for another cat, which is my cat. And so I was like, okay, I'm not sitting on this. Like, I don't want somebody else to take my cat again. 
So <laughs> again, I... as if she was your cat the first time. <laughs> you actually don't tell her? Willow she was the second best cat. Like no, it, she was the right cat. Cheddar was actually my second choice too. She was the right cat, but it worked out well. Yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, it was entirely virtual. So like I met her, like I Facetimed with her. <laughs> That makes it sound like she's running the camera. Like I sat in a waiting room until a volunteer was available to FaceTime me. And it was like all of five minutes tops that mm-hmm. we like were on video with each other. And then like I just confirmed that I wanted to proceed um, with the adoption. What is FaceTiming with a cat like? Um, I mean, she's just showing me my cat. And I mean, did, like, you, did you get to see that she was like playful or affectionate or she was very shy. She had only been in the shelter for like less than a week at that point because mm-hmm. she was very recently surrendered. Her owner was homeless and living in a car and couldn't keep her. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, it's really tragic. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's sad knowing the backstory. But I also just I have tremendous respect for the woman who surrendered her because she did the responsible thing yeah. for the sake of her cat. Um, yeah. You know that so, wasn't an easy choice. No. So. Do you know what her name was? The, the cat's name before? So her name, at I assume that the name she had at the shelter was like the name she had that she was adopted with, or previously owned as. Mm-hmm. And it was Carly. 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 Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like Willow better. They they told me I had a counseling session next, which is where I would actually like meet with somebody who would talk me through like her history, like what they knew about her, and like make sure that I had like everything I needed. At that session, she was like, "Oh, so we realized that actually she's not spayed because they hadn't had like she was so new to the shelter that they hadn't had a chance to um, like examine her. Mm-hmm. So like, so she's not spayed. So we actually have to schedule. Yeah." her surgery and then you can take her home and I was like well that's perfect because that gives me all day to actually move (laughs) yeah but so yeah I wasn't expecting like bringing home a freshly spayed cat you have to basically like quarantine them like you have to confine them to a small space because you need to keep their activity level really low Mm -hmm. in order to to recover from the surgery so it was basically holding like a tiny hostage Yep. in my bathroom oh, for yep. like 10 days um and so the poor thing wakes up like on drugs and in a strange place mm-hmm. and uh, poor babe she she just got released yesterday like she now has full reign of the entire apartment um, and she's in the windowsill right now she seems like she's adjusting well I love the picture of her with the cone the cone yeah the cone- <laughs> I, I was not a very good owner. I, I let her win and did not put the comb back on her. Yeah. I figured if I just kept her activity really low. Well, the cone is also so they don't lick their stitches. Yeah. Um, but I, that was not happening. And I she tried it. Like, it. they told me that I didn't need the collar, like, that I could just put the cone over, like, her bare neck. But that was not true. She took it right off. And so then I tried it with the collar. Um, and I thought I made it, like, as tight as I could, but like still with the like finger, right? You know, fingertip worth of like space. Yeah, space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she she got that off too. Clever girl. Yeah. Well, she got it like halfway off to like a point where it was like clearly not comfortable for her sure. and potentially dangerous. So Poor I, like, babe. I took the rest of it off uh, and I was just like, this is not going to work out. Yeah. So I ordered one of those little like cat suit like things. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. It's kind of like a t-shirt with holes in it, like for yeah. a Oh, okay. Like what our friend does for her dogs when they have right, surgery. Right, 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 right. Um, but it took a few days to get here. And by the time it arrived, I just like didn't really feel like she needed it because she was doing really well, like not licking mm-hmm. and everything. And I felt, I just felt like she was handling it okay. So um, she's a trooper. Yeah, it's it's been... You know, over 10 days now, and she recovered perfectly fine. Yay. And Willow is named after not the tree, but the uh, best friend from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, so, Liz. Yeah. What you going to harp on today? Oh, yeah, what else are you going to harp Kitty Mama. About? Yeah. Kitty Mama. I'm going to harp on the 
Oh, I struggle with this every time. I came up with this title 10 minutes before we met today. Okay, great. <laughs> the Nouveau Nobility. Uh, nouveau means new? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I would just say the new like aristocracy, basically. The modern rich is old money versus... New money. New money. Yeah. Great Gatsby, something, some of that shit. I think we're in the same vein here. Yeah, we got it. All right, cool. All right, we're going to go, of course, to the 1800s. Obviously. Specifically the Gilded Age. That is apparently very relevant to the context of my segment. So the Gilded Age is the late 1800s. We're industrializing and all that stuff. And this means different things for different parts of the world and in different classes of people. So in Britain, during the Gilded Age, their aristocrats and nobility were struggling. Noblemen in like the British aristocracy, they own a lot of land and they make their money off of that land. They don't hold jobs, right? These people don't work for a living. They're aristocrats. They just get money from like the goods that their land produces. But that is until the Gilded Age when we've they have outsourced a lot of like farming and stuff to the Americas because we have a shit ton of land in America. And so we have like vast prairies for producing food and we can build like really huge factories for mass production that they can't huge tracts of land. (laughs) Yeah. What the curtains? (laughs) (laughs) So basically now that all of these things are being outsourced, British aristocrats, like, don't have an income anymore. Like, their land isn't producing anything of value. And that's a problem because they don't want to go to work, but they still want to do things like gamble, hire sex workers, take sure. their yachts to the Mediterranean. Like, you know, they, they have really... The usual... The, ne- the necessities. Yes, yes. Right, really yeah. lavish lifestyles that they need to maintain. And so they're, like, essentially going into debt because they're what's called like land rich or property rich sure in the sense that they have a lot of assets but they're not cash rich so like they have a yacht but they can't afford to take it anywhere so life is really hard for them the struggle yeah um so this is a a group of people who have a lot of like social wealth you know they come from long lineages and pedigrees and legacies of of centuries and centuries of of wealth and class. Um, but at this point in time, uh, they're struggling financially. Gotta sell some of that shit. Now, at the same time, over in America, our aristocrats, if you will, are also having problems. Now, of course, we don't have like true aristocrats because we don't have that kind of system and structure here. But, you know, we have super, super wealthy people who probably like to consider themselves aristocrats, high society, like the New York elite groups that Mm -hmm. um, also have like old money and just sit around hosting salons and having balls and all that. There was in 1892, an article published in the New York Times that lists, quote, the 400. This is like the it list of who's who and like elite New York society. These were all, though, people with old money, like long lineages of wealth. So this list did not include the nouveau riche, so the people with new money. Okay. So these are, like, this is where the Gilded Age comes in. Like, these are people who recently made their money, like your railroad tycoons, mm-hmm. your oil tycoons, like people who are just... Just starting out. Yeah, yeah, rising out of like Midwestern poverty and suddenly have made it on their own yeah. millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah. So they are super wealthy. These people have like more money than they know what to do. Not with. raised rich. Exactly. They weren't raised in like the the New England genteel society. Like they don't have manners, they don't have decorum, they don't have right. fine taste. Like they're basically considered trashy by the old money folks. Right, because they don't know how to how to be one of the, the elite, the aristocrats. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got the, the old money people looking down on the new money people. And so these new money people, the nouveau riche, 
they have a problem of their own. Like they're wealthy and they think that they're deserving to be in certain social circles, but they're not. Like those circles they want to be in don't respect them. Um, And so they're not getting invited to like all the parties and balls and, and, you know, country clubs that they want to be part of. Sure. So they are, you know, money rich, but not socially or status rich. Which is interesting because like they actually earned their money on their own. Yeah. As opposed to people who were just raised that way. You think that would be, in my book, that sounds like it's more respectable. And by on their own, I know obviously they probably did it on the backs of like a hundred, hundreds of other people, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they weren't born into it. So they had to do some work to get there. I don't know. Seems more respectable than just being born that way. Yeah, but you still just like you don't fit in. Like you've never sailed a boat or, or had servants. Right. You know, do work for you. Like, yeah, it's they just, don't have as much in common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I absolutely yeah. agree that, yeah, like the people who just recently broke into it seem deserving, but that's just not the way the sort of class structure worked at that time. Yeah. So here we have on both sides of the Atlantic, two people with problems and the other person kind of has a solution, right? You've got your, these nouveau riche people in America who have a lot of money, but they don't have social status or respect. And then you have these aristocrats in Britain, and I'm it's I'm largely referring to Britain, but really like European um, mm-hmm. culture, uh, but primarily uh, like Britain. Uh, so you've got the aristocrats who are running out of money, but like the only thing of value they really have left is their name, like their titles and and their legacies. Sure. So there's an obvious solution here. Mowage. Yes. <laughs> I was just going to say Mowage. Mowage. Love. A blessed. Woo. Love. <laughs> Arrangement. So, yeah, it's pretty simple, right? You just have, uh, you, you marry off uh, your wealthy American daughter sure. to a poor duke. And in exchange, the Duke gets your family's money and he can pay off his gambling debts, go sailing on his yacht again, sure. restore his property, whatever he wants to do. As you do. But then the new and old money have to mingle and marry and they don't like each other. It's the sharks and the jets. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's different because it's not the, well, you're kind of right, but it's not the new and old American money. Right. This is new American money and old British money. So they, they have less animosity. And they're willing to accept this exchange because they don't have money and they need it. Yeah. So they Desperation. will marry an American woman if it helps American woman. bring money into their lives again. Sure. And the American woman will marry these British men if it gives them a title. And so now they can be like, oh, you do want to invite me to your New York social ballroom party. I'm married to a duke. Yeah. Not just I'm married to a duke. Like, now I have the title. I'm a duchess. And, Mm. like, I am somebody you want to have, like, in your social circle. I'm a duchess. I run with the noble men and women of... British aristocracy. Right. Um, so it elevates your status. So it's theoretically like a win-win situation. Sure. And so these arrangements, or the women specifically, are referred back to as dollar princesses. Dollar isn't the value itself. They were worth more than a dollar, but just the concept that they had like a monetary value. Sure. Associated mm-hmm. with, with marriage. With Mowage. Mowage. Yes. So their parents would pay top dollar dowries so that these women could marry into the British aristocracy. As you do. And so now the American families suddenly have a legacy. Like they have centuries of legacy that they can now pass on to their own kids. And the British have money. When did we stop doing dowries? I don't know. I mean, not soon enough. Not soon enough. (laughs) 
Craig still expects a dowry. No, he can hold his breath. Yeah. Well, some marriages happened organically, but most of them were arranged. Uh, And so a whole, like, matchmaking industry developed that, like, paired wealthy American women with British nobility. Is there an app for that? There was not an app, but there was a (laughs) publication called The Titled American. Mm. And so this announced marriages of dollar princesses. So, like, it, you know, it published announcements for American women who recently became titled through marriage. American woman. <laughs> and wait for me. Um, it also served as a place for British men to publish ads about themselves. So they could oh, make no. little bios. Oh no, that they wrote themselves. <laughs> oh, would God. They would have like a PR person. Were they unsupervised? But then again, they don't have money. So maybe they were working on this alone. Did they take photos of themselves in bathroom mirrors? <laughs> No, you need Machu Picchu. You need holding the, a fish. You need the photo of you, Jim, holding a fish on your boat. You need the Jim one. Something with friends so that it looks like you're not a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Preferably, there's a dog, you know, all, yeah. that, all the standards. Yeah. So this, this publication served as like their dating app. So if an American girl, or more often, if an American girl's parents found a prospective suitor, you just respond to the ad. Question. Yes. Did most of these live in England or in the U.S. after they were married? In England. Oh, okay. Or in Europe. In Europe. Okay. Because if the one in, if the, the woman in America was like wanting to get into those social circles, I guess she's not getting into the American social circles. She's getting into those similar social circles in Europe. Yeah. But it also right. provides status to the family that's still back in America. Ah. Uh, Yes, my yes, daughter's yes. a duchess. Blah yeah. blah blah. Gotcha. Yeah, and it makes you like a more like your other siblings are more prospective. Gotcha. So now. it elevates the family. Yeah, as a whole, yeah. so the rest of the family who's left behind can get into those circles. Yeah. Ah, take a one for the team. Mm-hmm. Totally. So let's get into some specific dollar princesses. Okay. We'll begin with a woman named Jenny Jerome. Her father was like a self-made millionaire. As far as I could read, he was a financier and prospector or something. I don't know. Self-made millionaire. Okay. And she had a marriage that by all accounts seemed to happen organically. And so she's kind of credited with being the first dollar princess marriage. Okay. And we'll get to why. So she actually met her, her husband-to-be at a sailing regatta. And that man was Lord Randolph Churchill. Three days after meeting, they announced their engagement. Sure. As you do. Yep. His parents were horrified that he would want to marry an American socialite instead of, like, a proper, respectable British noblewoman. Sure. Actually, the parents were like, what the heck is this about? And But then the parents realized that Jenny Jerome came with a ginormous dowry. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they like her a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. In today's money, her dowry would have been $4 million. Okay, Not bad. That's yeah. Fair. So they were like, okay. This is fine. So. If you must. They wed in 1874. Sure. And again, so she was kind of the one that is credited with starting this trend. Um, so it wasn't an arranged marriage, but it was unusual for like a British nobleman to marry an American socialite at this time. That got people's attention and kind of made them see the benefits of this arrangement. Mm. But some other notable things before we move on from Jenny Jerome, I mentioned her husband, Lord Randolph Churchill. Sure. If that name sounds familiar. I mean, I thought maybe, but I wasn't going to be that person mm-hmm. who was like, uh, not all Churchill's. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> this is Winston Churchill's like relative, but I didn't want to be that person. Not all Churchill's. Yeah. Specifically, his mother. Um, yeah. So this dollar princess, American socialite, married a British nobleman and gave birth to the Winston Churchill, future prime minister. Excellent. Yeah. Interestingly, he was born 
eight months after the marriage. Hmm. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Boy. <laughs> one biography stated that he was Funny. born Funny two how that can happen. prematurely oh, after, uh-huh. after Lady Randolph, quote, had a fall. Uh-huh. On his dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On someone else's <laughs> dick. Uh, but I think it's safe to say he was likely conceived before the wedding. And Winston was asked about this once. And he said, quote, although present on the occasion, I have no clear recollection of the events <laughs> leading up to it. <laughs> what a fucking G. I love it. <laughs> I have no real. <sighs> I love it. Um, <laughs> what a baller. Yeah. Oh, Churchill, you firecracker. <laughs> well, a little bit more about Jenny. Her husband died. And that freed her up to, you know, pursue additional marriages. Sure. And she was noted to have allegedly had an affair with the Prince of Wales, later the king. Mm -mm. And actually, he was the one who introduced the two of them at the sailing regatta. Um, So they Mm. kind of like maybe always had this little little spark, at least, or something going on Is there. Is he the father of Winston Churchill? Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. I don't think so. I just solved it. <laughs> but so she even had this affair with him, allegedly, while he was king, and she was, like, good pals with Queen Alexandra, and Queen Alexandra knew about the affair, but still, like, welcomed Jenny to court. Huh. And, like, they were, they were friends. I mean, were they actually, though? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer? Exactly. I mean, they could have also been doing some kind of like an open marriage thing that people don't know about. Yeah. I mean, probably was taboo to talk about back then. Hashtag polyam fam. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) she didn't care. Maybe she had her own side piece, you know? So Jenny did end up getting remarried twice. Her second husband was only like 16 days apart from her son, Winston. Like, practically, so practically Ooh. her son's age. And then her third husband was three years younger than her son. Well, I hate that. Well, no, good for you, Jenny. No, men are Get trash. Get it, girl. <laughs> men are trash. Don't do it. <laughs> Jenny died tragically oh. because she was wearing trendy new high heel shoes when she tripped, broke her ankle, got gangrene, had her leg amputated, and died of complications. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> Never, so never again, wear high, high heels. heels. This yeah. is why I don't wear high heels. Yes, this is the only reason I. <laughs> this don't is wear why high I won't heels. wear heels. Oh, I could it's die dangerous. of gangrene complication. I could die. Oh, it's not a pleasant way to go. PSA: High heels are dangerous. Yeah, correct. Didn't your sister like shatter her ankle when she was walking in high heels? No, I assumed it was in high heels because I got a call on a Saturday night. Like uh-huh. late at night, and so I assumed it was like some drunken thing at the bar, but it actually wasn't. It was slipping on ice, going to oh. turn likely like, story, like getting something from the car. So, oh. yeah, less exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, the next dollar princess I'll cover is Winaretta Singer. Winaretta. Yeah. What a name. Yep. Is she a winner? Winnie. <laughs> so her father is the singer of Singer Sewing Machine Company. Um, oh. So if you know anything about sewing machines, you know singers are like the gold standard. Mm-hmm. I don't, but okay. And if you can get like a vintage or original singer, they're worth like a lot of money. Um, My mom has one so, that's apparently worth a lot of money. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so this was a big name for the time. She was the 20th of 24 children. Ooh. No. No. Oh my God. Uh, not the same mom. So Mr. Singer was Oh, okay. I was going to say that poor siring. woman. <laughs> 24 children Ugh. between five different women. That's nope. still too many per mo- per yeah. per mother. Yeah. That's not it. That doesn't bring the number down enough. Like they're they're just falling out at that point. Is she is she having litters? That's too many. Uh, but nope. so you know, despite their wealth, that also this this deal here kind of tarnished the singer like name slash reputation because it was scandalous. You know, he was just like, yeah, yeah divorce is no big deal. And like, you know, 
bigamy and all that stuff. Not a good look. So he seemed not really phased by this, but like it wasn't very helpful for his 24 children who like yeah needed to get married in order to have successful lives. Yeah, that's not yeah. great. You're definitely fucking over your kids at that point. Yeah. You just don't have the resources. No one has the resources. To support 24 children? Yeah. No. no. So when Aretta, perhaps learning this from her father, was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Or one of her 19 older siblings. <laughs> very promiscuous. Okay. And also, she was a lesbian. Oh, good for her. Yeah. And, and openly, openly promiscuous, like openly a lesbian. Okay. Some biographers have speculated that she may have like deliberately flaunted this the side of her in order to disqualify herself from marriage. Like she didn't want to be mm. married. And mm. so she was that's like a, she That's a good strategy. Yeah. She didn't want to hide this part of herself so sure. that she so that people would just be like, oh no, like not Winneretta. Classic twentieth child syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Could you be more cliche? <laughs> At age 22, she realized, though, that she just could not avoid this. Even despite the fact that she was, like, openly a lesbian, men were still trying to court her. I'm assuming thinking that they could, like, change, change her. her. They could turn yeah. her. It's just a phase. She's just never had the right man. She just hasn't had this dick yet. What is yeah. your dowry as the 20th child? I don't know, actually. Three sticks of gum. Who is homosexual? Like, what What are you worth? Quote, unquote. I didn't see what hers was. A stick of gum. Already <laughs> chewed. You just get a sewing machine. Yeah. <laughs> but more so, I think people cared less about her sexual orientation, more about the money that she had. Sure. Obviously. If they cared about her sexual orientation, they would not be trying to marry her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She wrote of one man, he's impossible to escape. Starts at nine in the morning and finishes at midnight. Oh, so she's like, these men are just like relentlessly chasing me. And yeah. I guess like I need like it's not going to stop until I marry somebody. So she caves. She gets married in 1886, but she chooses a French nobleman. Sure. I mean, if you have to. Yeah. That's how to do it. Prince Louis de Chez Montbilliard. His name is Louis. 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 Oh, I thought you said Luby. I'm like, it's <laughs> an unfortunate name. Was he also number 20? They just ran out of names. <laughs> he was a bland 29-year-old Frenchman bland. with a 1,000-year-old lineage. Bland. I've never heard a person described as bland. It's not how I would have, you know, pitched him, but that's fine. He's vanilla. <laughs> bland. White bread. Oh. Allegedly, when they got married and he came into their bedroom on the night of their wedding, uh, he found Winaretta on crouched on top of one of the armoires, waving an umbrella and shouting, If you touch me, I'll kill you. Amazing. Damn. <laughs> Damn it. Why didn't I know about this before my wedding night? <laughs> God damn it. If you touch me, I'll kill you. Just waving I mean, an does umbrella. He, does he know her reputation as I don't know, maybe a lesbian? In, as as a Frenchman he didn't. Um, or maybe didn't care. Maybe he thought it was negotiable. I don't know. I mean oh clearly women's sexualities is are negotiable yeah. at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> but when Aretta, smart woman that she is, uh, you know, she entered this marriage pretty much for the reason of, like, not wanting to be hounded for marriage anymore. And also, like, for the title. Yeah. Well, and, like, not being homeless. Yeah. Uh, but she had, like, no interest in this man getting any of her money. Sure. So she had wisely placed her money in a trust that her brothers governed. Again, a man controlled, but keep going. Yes, yes, right. yes. But it, it kept him from getting any. So he really gets nothing out of this marriage. Yeah. She did buy him his own house. Because she was like, we're not even going to live in the same house. I'll buy you a house. You can live in that one. I'm going to live in this one. Yeah. Go live in your own house. Have as many affairs as you want. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> but after five years, she got the marriage annulled by the Vatican. Sure. Because they had never consummated it. When Aretta initially enjoyed her freedom, she was a passionate music lover, so she began like commissioning works by famous composers and artists. 
and she was still like hosting salons, like, you know, gatherings on her, on her estate um, amongst wealthy people. But she was starting to be like a little bit pushed up by the aristocracy because they were like, you're like, you're a divorced woman. You don't really have like a title anymore. And you're American. So she was like, I think I need to get married again. So she marries Prince Edmond de Polignac. This prince had lost his savings to a bad investment and all of his furniture in his apartment to debt collectors. So he was literally like sleeping on the floor of his mansion. Sure. Winner. Like unheeded because he couldn't afford anything. Wow. That's really sad. That's like the modern DJ, basically. Yeah. Like. He was 59 years old and had never been married. Oh, oh my God. That's not good for that age. Yeah. Well, yeah. he had been purposely avoiding marriage his whole life because he was gay. Oh, oh they're a perfect match. Yeah. Oh. And he never wanted to have a beard. So he was just like, I'll just oh. be a bachelor. Isn't that, isn't that comfortable for him as a man? glad you had that option so a friend arranged this marriage and it was by all accounts a very happy and successful marriage sure you know it was an open marriage they were allowed to to beat anybody off with an umbrella (laughs) (laughs) you know allowed to see whoever they wanted but they also had a lot of mutual interest like she was really into the arts and classic sort of he was a musician of course he was. But yeah, he had like he wanted he to compose works, but he never had the money to have them performed or published. Oh. So she helped him with that. And so they were very big on like the art scene. They're just really good friends. Yeah, they, they were very good friends. Up until his death, they were each each other's most fervid supporters and trusted friends. I mean, ideally, Aww. that's what you want in a husband. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Only in their love lives did they pursue separate paths. That's that's very nice. Yeah. So that's Winnerada. I like that journey for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I support that. Next, we also have Frances Ellen Work or Fanny. Ugh. <laughs> Why? Terrible name. Why? I can't. Her her father was a stockbroker and one of Vanderbilt's protégés. Same. Not Vanderbilt, but... Stockbroker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, her grandmother thought that only British nobility was truly deserving of Fanny's gorgeous... Fanny. Looks. Of Fanny's Fanny. And, of Fanny's Fanny. Yeah, Fanny's yeah. Fanny. Okay, great. And her wealth. So Fanny married James Boothby Burke Roche in 1880. And it's too many names. Yeah, no. Yeah. Too many names. Nope. So he was a baron and he got $2.5 million for marrying Fanny. That was her dowry, which he essentially blew immediately on gambling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so this marriage was really arranged by Fanny's grandmother. The truth is her father like protested it he was not into this like he didn't want to marry off his daughter for like status and especially not to this man who like can't handle money and was just using her well good for him yeah standing up for his daughter he treated his daughter like a human yeah well he (laughs) disapproved so much (laughs) well maybe we don't lead with that (laughs) well maybe hold that thought yeah he wrote her out of his will oh so the Baron only got the dowry, but like would never get any of her, the inheritance that she would have gotten from him when he died. Okay. Bummer. But he was very public about his opinion. He wrote, it's time this international marrying came to a stop for our American girls are ruining our country by it. As fast as our honorable, hardworking men can earn this money, their daughters take it and toss it across the ocean. Walls. Yeah. <laughs> So when he died, he left behind $15 million, which in today's money would have been billions. Wow. But Fanny and the Baron never got any of that. Oh, that's a dick move. Mm-hmm. But the marriage was not a total loss. They did have kids. Okay. And those kids had kids. Sure. And one of those kids was Princess Diana. Oh, the people's princess. So Fanny, Fanny uh, gave 
you know, her her legacy was Princess Diana, basically. Who then had Prince William and Harry. Yeah. Who then had Prince George slash Charlotte slash Louis. Sure. So there's some American blood tainted in that lineage. Oops. Dirty. Oh, even before even before Meghan Markle showed up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so Megan wasn't the home wrecker. Get out of here. <laughs> the home being Britain. Yes. I mean, she also wasn't the first in somewhat recent history because which one of the like princes married an American actress and gave up his spot and and like like abdicated? What's her name? Simpson? Fergie? I don't know. No. I don't know. Um He's not the first to marry okay. an American actress. All right. Okay. I can contribute no, no further to this. I know nothing about the royals. The next dollar princess is an ex- another example of an arranged marriage. Um, and this is on the sadder side because nobody, or by nobody I mean, neither the bride nor the groom were particularly thrilled with it. Mm. Um, this was Consuelo Vanderbilt of the Vanderbilt railroad tycoon family sure so she was married off to the ninth duke of marlborough charles spencer churchill not all churchills yes all churchills (laughs) still all churchills (laughs) um well yeah we'll get to that um so yes all Churchills. both consuelo and the duke charles were actually in love with other people Uh, But neither of them were allowed to marry the person they loved because their parents arranged for them to marry each other. Well, maybe they could be like the the lesbian and yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do like the same thing where they're just like friends, beards, and it it doesn't seem like they pursued that option. No, but their wedding was a social event of the season. Crowds lined up down Fifth Avenue in New York. In truly like wedding celebrity fashion, her mother, who sounds her mother was like abusive and oh. like an absolute horrible sounding woman. Um, she like leaked all the information about the wedding to the press, like including the undergarments and lingerie she'd be wearing under the dress the and who designed out. the dress yeah. and like all this stuff. Really ridiculous. So of the wedding, Consuelo said she spent the morning in tears and alone. No one came near me. And yeah, so it was like she was very, very sad to be getting married. And the only like noteworthy good thing to come out of this particular arranged marriage is the dowry that the Duke received um, from the Vanderbilts was used to um, like rehabilitate Blenheim Palace. Blenheim. 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 Thank you. Yes. So Blenheim Palace is where Winston Churchill was born. And so we still have his birthplace today because this marriage provided the funds to maintain the home. I mean, that's a silver lining. Yeah. 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 Don't, Don't know if that's worth it. No. And this was pretty common use of the dowries and sort of one of the benefits that the British aristocracy enjoyed from the marriage um, because their residences were often like not maintained. They had run out of money to have the staff to maintain it. And also these homes are like centuries old. They're not as new and modern as American homes are. Uh, So these brides are coming from American homes that are like brand new and they have features and amenities like running tap water, hot running tap water. And, And, you know, they don't need maids to boil water in the kitchen and bring it up to their tub for them. Um, And so a lot of, in a lot of cases, the money was used to maintain these estates so that they could, you know, not fall apart and still be like landmarks today. Eh. One pop culture reference for the Dollar Princesses uh, connects to Downton Abbey which I have not seen, so I cannot say anything about this. I've watched like two episodes. Yeah. But one character named Cora Crawley in Downton Abbey was a dollar princess. Cora was from a multimillion 
Air family in Ohio who paid a massive dowry for her to marry into British nobility. So she married a Lord Grantham. So Cora is based on a real-life dollar princess named Lady Almina. Um, and she lived in the house where Down Abbey is filmed. Oh. So like that, that house where they filmed the show was like the actual home of a dollar princess. Oh. Very accurate. Yeah. Almina was the illegitimate child of Alfred de Rothschild from like the banking family Mm -hmm. Rothschilds and so her dad supported her financially and she was like she had everything money wise that she needed but because she was illegitimate like she couldn't hang out in the same circles as like her half siblings you can't sit with us yeah (laughs) um so he arranged this dowry to basically pay for her to marry into British nobility so that she could run in British circles that were appropriate for her wealth status. Sure. Mm. And so she moved into and maintained this property where they now filmed that show. Filmed because I don't think they do it anymore, right? Right. I think it's over. over. I think it's over. Yeah. So the marriages were designed to be mutually beneficial, but ultimately they were considered to be destructive, both for the individuals who often were not particularly happy with the arrangement, even in cases where they entered into it willingly, like I am doing this to further my myself financially or socially, like mm-hmm. they weren't like thrilled about their husband or whatever. So like it wasn't healthy for the individuals involved. It also had some kind of like significant effects economically. And, and a lot of times the dowries were just like funding gambling debts and bad habits and like not really being used towards like good productive investments. And, and also, sort of on both sides of the Atlantic, people were, like, mocking, but also sincerely commenting about, like, the loss of appropriate, like, suitors. Like, so noblewomen in Britain or in, in England were like, what the fuck? Like, we can't marry a nobleman because they're all chasing these American women. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, they're losing out. And then the same for other, like, wealthy men in America. Like, a bunch of prospective brides were being outsourced to Britain. They didn't want to do it in the reverse, like the British women go to America. Well, there was... I know they don't have a dowry, but at least that still... They get money from the men, and the men get the status from the women still, no? Well, the men don't necessarily need the status from the women. The men don't care as much. They don't need status to be married as much as the women do. No, but they still are not able to run in those social circles of the old money. So I thought maybe it would help in that regard. I don't know. It just, that wasn't a thing. All right. But all in all, uh, through the dowries alone, dollar princess marriages pumped the equivalent of $25 billion into the British economy. um, Like in modern money. And so that number doesn't account for like jobs that were created to like Mm -hmm. attend to these new families and Mm -hmm. like rehabilitate land and estate or anything like that. Sure. Um, That's just the dowries. Wow. So that's that's not chump change. No. And so that's like that's money that was not like in the American market. Do you know ballpark like how many women did this? Was this like thousands, hundreds? Yep. So approximately between the years 1880 and 1920, there were an estimated like 300 women who married British nobility for a title. Twenty five billion dollars from 300 women. Yep. Yeah. Wow. These are Vanderbilts, Rothschilds. Like, <laughs> yeah. These are not small names in like American Gilded Age. That is $833 million per woman. That's a lot. Roughly. Jesus Christ. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. So that is the Math. industry of dollar princesses in the Gilded Age. Damn. I think if I were a lesbian at that time in history, I would have done it like when Aretta did. Yeah. Like, because if, if it was probably too taboo to really be who I was, but I found a partner that would let me be who I was. Yeah. And like a, a really like a truly beneficial 
like well and who has just as much to lose because he yeah. was also yeah. gay you know you just gotta find someone who's openly gay that can do that it was kind of like an open secret like there yeah. was an account of like when Aretta had seduced another man's wife and like the man came over and basically just like outside their window like yelling at her to come out and like fight him like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> for, for seducing his wife so yeah it was kind of like an open secret um but for the sake of like decorum you know they had to maintain the appearance of a marriage Tracy, you think your parents can give Craig a $833 million dowry? Oh, yeah. They can just cut that check. Super easy. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. NBD. How many goats would that be? I'll have to convert it. Craig only <laughs> accepts dowry and goats. So. Oh. I don't know if you have enough land for that many goats. It's a lot of goats. Just use it to buy a goat farm. Average price of goat. <laughs> All right, we're doing this. A hundred to eight hundred dollars, depending on the breed and sex. That's a wide range. Eight hundred dollars for a goat? Well, I'm gonna go a hundred just to say that you get the best goats, and that is still a million goats. It's a lot of goats. It's a lot of goats. One million yeah. top quality goats. If you want to hear future development on the goat dowry, you can listen to Harpy Hour <laughs> on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen, please rate us and don't leave us a bad review. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Oh, wow. Well, if you are a descendant of a dollar princess and want to tell us about it, which Connect you should. with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HeartBearPod and email us at HeartBearPodcast at gmail.com. And if you have extra money around that you want to lend towards the goat dowry, also, I'm not putting my Patreon money towards goat dowry, sorry. Rude. Head on over to Patreon. I'm and... not putting my money towards anybody else's dowry. Yeah, no, I was kidding. We're not doing that. Tracy can use her portion towards her goat dowry. If she wants. I'm going to need a lot. I'm gonna need Not a that lot. we have extra money after our maintenance fees, but what? head on over to Patreon. Check out all the extra content that we have for you. And thanks for listening. Okay, okay bye. bye. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>